Well, hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford, and I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And it is a great privilege, as always, to greet my congregation that uh, is part of this church here in Dallas, and also to extend our welcome and greeting to our Saints Network family across this nation and around the world. I am so thankful to be able to share this walk of being a saint with you. It is the optimal calling for the days in which we're in. Um, it is something that the Father always intended to be functional within the church, just like he intended for diversities of tongues to be functional within the church. But um, as we know from a study of history, uh, somehow the enemy uh, was happy to, to uh, see the church without those giftings. And so one of the main things that we have been privileged to do is to study the Scripture, embrace these dynamics as well as many others, and to pioneer them uh, in the spirit realm and in this time frame and in the midst of the church, even though we are a remnant and we are largely hidden. Uh, you know, God always does that. Uh, in, in the Scripture, there's always someone, whether nobody knows or not, that is partnering with God to institute or usually to reinstitute things that he intended from the very foundation of the world. And so it's a privilege to walk this walk of saints with you. I believe that what it is that you have obeyed God in becoming is not only representing the kingdom where he has asked you to stand, but it is also opening up the pathway for many other Christians to, to, to encounter and accept and engage. And it may not just be because they hear our broadcasts or hear us speaking in some location or um, somebody that perhaps you testified to. Those are all well and noble things. But in the spirit realm, things become open. It's, it's like you stand in the parets in your gap, and when God breaks through in the spirit realm, that's, that's going to touch a lot of places, places that you didn't recognize that possibly could be touched. That's the thing about the wind of the spirit and the rain of the spirit, the water of the spirit. Uh, those things get through into places where you think, how did that get in here? Just in the natural. You know, we have had a great breakthrough here in Dallas. Uh, many of you were concerned for us, as far as I know. All of our folks were are well protected and provided for. But after an abysmal time this summer where oppressive heat and just the atmosphere of in the realm was was uh, abusive and offensive. You you know that we've prayed and asked God for it to break and for 
rain to come. And that has happened so many times. I don't need to regale you with those stories. Again, you should all know them. That's something we've experienced around the world and in this place many, many times. And God basically put his hand up and said, this is different. This is, this is something that I'm allowing. This is something that is a spiritual uh, tactic, as it were. And I, I hear your prayers. I'm going to provide for you. But just wait. You know, a lot of Christians, when they, when they gain the spiritual principles and power, they just don't understand the principle of waiting. They think that like, a, like a, a math formula, if you just do this and this and this, then it's got to happen. Well, it doesn't happen that way with the Lord. Um, his principles are always true, but there's a reason that the first sign of the apostolic is patience. There's a reason that God talks a lot about waiting, waiting on the Lord. And um, so we have to balance the things that God has given us and the things that he has shown us. And even the, the indelible principles of the word of God, we, we, have to, we have to recognize that those things are always true, but nothing supersedes the timing of God and the will of God and how he's going to play things out. You say, well, wait a second. You're saying that some of the word of God isn't true. That's not what I'm saying. The very word of God that you are defending right now says that we must be patient. In your patience possess you your souls. Did not all the signs of the apostolic be shown among you, beginning with patience? Wait on the Lord. Those are in the word. So I'm just grateful that this weekend God chose to break through. And he broke through in an amazing way. Um, here in Dallas, you, um, you should know by now that as of the events of just these past couple of days, this is the wettest August on record here in Dallas. And um, I'm pretty sure that it was, we broke a record on Monday as well, even though they calibrate that at DFW Airport. They said we were three, three tenths of an inch, or three between three and four tenths of an inch shy of breaking the all-time record for a day. However, there were well-founded reports that many places in Dallas and surrounding area got 13, some got 15 inches on that day, and it was coming down. That morning, Monday morning, I had to drive to an appointment, <clears throat> and I left the house at 10 till 7, and it was pouring down rain. Some of the roads were just 8 inches of water on them, and I uh, think my Acura just made it right through. I had to dodge people that were trying to figure out whether to get out with an umbrella or keep going or whatever. And um, it, it was fun getting to where I was going. I happened to be the only person there besides the people I was meeting, which was kind of nice. I had the place to myself, but I was just rejoicing at the breakthrough of the Lord. You know, God does that for us. 
And I think that, you know, you think I was discussing this yesterday with a very dear friend. Um, you think about when Elijah, who declared the drought that lasted over three years, that um, did all the things up on the top of the mountain and destroying the, the, the demonic ones that were there who represented Satan. Elijah built the altar of the Lord back and put sacrifice there and asked for water to be poured out. You know how, how valuable that water was after three and a half years of drought? And then God said, okay, I'm going to bring rain now. But did you notice what Elijah had to do? He had to get on his face his face to the ground. And he would pray. And the servant went and looked. And Elijah would pray. And the servant went and looked. And Elijah would pray. And then, get ye down. There's the sound of an abundance of rain. Why did Elijah have to pray when it was obviously God's timing? Why did Elijah have to go through uh, that process of intercession and humility in public view when he had already seen the great victory of the Lord and fire fall from heaven and the enemy destroyed in that one battle. Um, he, he publicly humiliated the, the Baal and Asherah cult uh, under the... Um, uh, surveillance of Jezebel. But yet, Elijah had to wait. Why couldn't he just stand there? Well, I proclaim now that it's going to rain. Get ready. Get your galoshes out. You have your rain boots on. Let's dance before the Lord in them. I don't read that anywhere. So I think we need to recognize that as sons, especially in these days that we're living, we're going to encounter things that even though we know what God has said, even though we know what he's asked us to do, even though we understand things through the guidance of the deeper truths of Scripture, even though we know all those things, God is still God. His hand is covering us, and there is a factor of sons waiting on God, like a goodly horse in battle, like David when he was waiting at the directive of God for the stirring in the mulberry trees, when he had just defeated the enemy, not very much time before that, in the same valley. And he probably had all the confidence in the world that he could go put a whooping on him again. But God said, wait. I'm glad that God is always faithful and that the breakthrough the breakthrough comes, and that is, um, that's wonderful. Don't you think? I am so grateful for the Lord. He is so faithful to us. He is a wonderful God, and so there's still dark clouds. When I came up here to the booth today, Beautiful dark clouds, nice cool breezes blowing outside above our church. 
Um, and this, I want to remind any naysayer that this is August in Texas. Anybody who's ever been in Texas in August knows that it ain't nice temperature-wise. Forgive my grammar, but that's true. So for God to give us this major visitation, record-setting visitation, and um, I, I just always love that. I just, I just, there's just something about it whenever this happens that just thrills my spirit. And I know that it is indicative of, of God's ways. I know that, again, he put it in our heart to begin asking for the Sha'al, for the, for the former and the latter reign of his presence in our meetings and uh, upon his people. Uh, I know that this is showing how God's reign comes. Nature proclaims the glory of God. And um, I'm, I'm really fascinated, thankful for it. I also know one other thing before we get to our scriptures today that are in Luke chapter 11. You can go ahead and begin to turn there. I know that the heat and the lack of rain hasn't been the only thing that's been troublesome to our Saints Network family. There have been a lot of things that have come against us. Uh, many of you have battled physical challenges. I know I have. Many of you have are, and are still battling them. And um, you may be saying, I just don't understand why I don't have breakthrough in this. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and some of you would say, well, it's because you're not doing this. You're because you're not doing this. You need to back off that right now. You sound more like Job's comforters than you are somebody who's wanting to help. When you've done all to stand, stand there for. And I believe that God is bringing breakthrough for each of you. Whatever has come against you is going to be, uh, the whatever has been taken away from you is going to be restored sevenfold. You're going to emerge from this stronger and more vibrantly than you ever have known in your life. And I believe that God is uh, going to break through in miracles and signs and wonders and healings that he's promised that we believe for. See, when God wants to move in his ways, the enemy comes in, he flees in seven ways. But it's not if the enemy comes, it's when the enemy comes. And, if, you know, I think that God always allows there to be a legitimate opportunity for his enemies to try to win. Otherwise, they would say, as all bitter influences do, well, you played, you didn't play fair. You didn't give us a chance. This is just what we said about you. I believe that the whole rebellion scenario is a, is a depiction of that. And, um, I pronounce over each of you breakthrough and healing, and I welcome the visitation of freedom that God is sending. Who knows what day it will come, but when it comes, it'll be record-setting, and it will abide 
and it will not be taken away. There have been others of you who have faced financial challenges. God's been so good to us over these past number of years, and he always is good. But there have been unprecedented things. I know at my house, we just had to put a new sewer line in. Where does that money come from? With a wife retired, well, she's still working some, and I bless Debbie. But, you know, what do you do? Do you just sit there and say, I don't know what Dave Ramsey would do. He probably has the money to pay for it. Do you sit there and say, okay, nobody use the bathroom, nobody use the sink, nobody use the showers until we have the money to pay for this? You think he'd do that? I, I don't think so. We stayed here at the church for four nights. Got a really good picture of what our saints' representatives who stay here get to enjoy. And it was very comfortable. I'm thankful for that. It's good for me to see what people that we bring in have to deal with. I'm thankful for what God has allowed us to provide. But many of you are facing these kinds of things. And I speak provision into your life. And I say that God is going to restore to you, I don't know how many fold, but he's going to restore to you multiple times what has come against you. And that everything is going to turn out well. There's going to be a breakthrough. I didn't intend to say all this this morning, but I do know that this is a rhema insight for you. So, the title of this is How Sons Pray. And I've been looking a lot at the various dimensions of prayer in the New Testament, things that God has shown us over the years, but then digging into how God wants to apply them and doing a deeper pursuit into various passages. And one of them that we quote often is in Luke 11. But it just never really made sense to me, even though I've talked about it. So here in Luke 11, if you begin at verse 1, we're not going to read all this. You find the disciples who come upon Jesus praying in a certain place, and they ask him to teach them to pray. Now, I know that the Lord's Prayer is cited more than once in the New Testament, and I know that um, what Luke 11 says is a, an abbreviated account of what we've read in other places. Um, I wonder if Jesus didn't repeat this on more than one occasion to his disciples. Because as a teacher, I'm certainly not putting myself in the category of Jesus, but as a teacher, I know saying something once is not enough. People can be looking at you like a cow staring at a new gate, and they walk away just totally baffled with the principle that you've just brought forward. So you got to say it again, and you got to say it again. I'll never remember. I'll never forget one time, we had seminars here about fivefold understanding. We were praying, we were doing things, and then one time, uh, we had a seminar where we split up a session and had different teachers from the network speak about uh, fivefold. And one of our pastors, uh, who I won't name, I'm not going to name anybody in this story, but many of you know who I'm talking about, 
was teaching on the fivefold up in the uh, media room, the choir room. And one of the leaders in our church went up to her, to her and said afterwards, that was great. Where did you get that material? And she picked up the, the book that we'd written on it and said, right here. And I thought, that just made me laugh. But it also perplexed me because I thought, how in the world did you not know that? How in the world? Now, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited because I know some of you are a little bit, little bit slower out of the gate. But I think that the disciples had to be told on a number of occasions. In fact, Jesus even said to them that, why are you struggling with this? How often do I have to tell you this? Did I not tell you this? He said that a number of times. And um, I think that that was just his way of saying, look, we've gone over this before. You need to step it up. So here he talks about the Lord's Prayer. And then he speaks about a parable that tells about a friend going to another friend at midnight, asking for three loaves. He said, I've got a visitor and I need some food. And the friend, must have been a really good friend, inside the house, I said, go away. My children are with me in bed. Now, if my children were with me in bed, I might have looked for any excuse to get up for a little while. But they were all tucked in there and gave him as many as he needed because of his importunity. His importunity. Now, let's first talk about what importunity is. Importunity can be brashness. Importunity can be uh, someone being adamant or demanding. But importunity can really be best stated as persistence. Persistence. Um, I think I, I think that we need to recognize that Jesus from this quote-unquote Lord's Prayer, um, Jesus then speaking about this friend going at midnight, um, Jesus is, um, is really wanting us to understand that, first of all, we're serving the Father. Secondly, you have to be graciously persistent and not necessarily um, uh, demanding. You got to be really careful making demands with God. Um, I, I'm reminded of the story of the unjust judge and I think he said um, finally gave in to the woman's appeals and said um, this woman troubles me. That means that she's just close and right, right on me here. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do what she's asking me to do because she really is wearying, wearying me. She's not letting go. <clears throat> and then he said something to the effect that God is going to avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. 
Um, God loves people that are not going to let go. We're going to hold on. And then we come to what I really feel we need to talk about today. And I preface this from verses 11 and 13 to say that five times in this sequence that I just mentioned, going into what we're going to read, the word aiteo is used. A-I-T-E-O. Now, if some of you purists want to start putting together a fivefold, you can, but that's not my purpose today. Aiteo, if you remember, is the kind of prayer that is to be offered by those who are in authority, particularly in conjunction with someone that is over them that they have a partnership relationship with. So it's definitely something that the sons offer. This is not a word that is to be used by fledglings or people that are just throwing things against the wall to see if they stick. This is a sonship type of prayer. Um, I, I think that it's, it's a very important thing to note that here Jesus speaks about friends and being persistent And then he comes into this, which we're going to read. Oh, oh, then he says the ask, and and it will be given you. That's an Iteo. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, receive. And he that seeks, finds. To him that knocks, it shall be opened. The ask, seek, and knock, you know, you can use that. I guess it's an acronym. A-S-K. Ask, seek, knock. And um, you can go many different ways. That's been in English spun out in many different stories, many different messages. But if, if, you, if you are engaged in an itale, you're, you're going to receive by and by. You are going to be seeking for God's providence and waiting on the Lord. If you're asking, then you're seeking. And at some point, it's going to arrive and you knock. You're, you're going to feel that um, knocking. Now, you know, the thing is that we read in Revelation that when Jesus comes for a visit, he's the one that's knocking. So the, the point of this <clears throat> is that if you're I tell you, if you're asking as a son, just know that you're going to receive. This is a threefold, so you've got to put the sila principle in there. In the midst of the sila, you're seeking, you're watching. You're, you're, you're engaged. You're in Gregorio almost. You're, you're engaged in what's going on, and you're going to find many things. You're going to learn many things. And then when the time of the door being open comes... It's either the Lord going to say like he did with Elijah, okay, here it is. You can tell them it's abundance of rain. Or you're going to hear God knocking, and it's going to open. Uh, I, I think that's a good thing for us to see because the principle is relegated to Iteo, and Jesus certainly knew what word he was using. But then it says this, 
If a son shall ask bread of any of you, this is Iteo, that is a father. I think that's interesting because we just said that Iteo is a sonship prayer. So here, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, callous gifts, unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that I tell? Did you notice that? The Holy Spirit is what the Father gives on behalf of Iteo. He's not talking about bread. He's not talking about fish. He's not talking about egg. He's talking about partnering with him on behalf of something that he's doing, which you have been seeking and knocking for, going all the way back up. You've got to be persistent and not giving up even in the midnight hour. And you've got to remember that your Father in heaven is hallowed and um, his kingdom is coming, that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is interesting. To me, all of this is about what a son should do. So you've got to be persistent and patient. You've got to know when you ask, God's going to provide it. But you're going to have to seek, be watchful in that sila. You'll find and discover many things. We've learned more things in the midst of the valley than we did on the mountaintop. We may have received our directive on the mountaintop, but we learn in the valley. You do and you teach. You seek there and you find, you discover. And then when it comes time, you may be like Elijah that feels, okay, it's time for an abundance of rain, but I've got to knock now. Well, why do you have to knock when you already asked? When you've been seeking, when you've been partnering, wouldn't it be enough just for the Lord to say, okay, here it is, or just surprise you? Well, the knocking is part of the process. So what about these three facets? Let's look at them in a different way. And this is the part that always kind of baffled me. Because I thought, Lord, you know, you can talk about this in English, but it doesn't really stir people in the pew. You can talk about this in English, but it doesn't draw a whole lot of people to the altar. What's this business about? stones and serpents and scorpions oh my what what's that about well let's look at it because this is an iteo passage this whole context here and you can look it up what first does that start in look it up it's all right there there are five of them there in luke 11 easy to find that's why we wanted you to get the bible program here is an iteo um, process the first, bread and stones. Where have we seen that before? 
Jesus in the wilderness temptation when the enemy came. First one. You, if you're really the son, if you're really one who's representing him, command these stones to be made bread. And Jesus said, it is written, uh, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. It's all about commune with the Father. Bread is commune with the Father. Bread is our daily provision. Jesus just talked about it. Give us day to day our daily bread. Um, but stones, stones are quite a vast topic in the Bible. Idols were made of stone, at least the more expensive ones. The law was written in stone. People were executed by stoning. <clears throat> the whole process of wanting to build something was rejected by the builders. They rejected the chief cornerstone. <clears throat> Jesus' first miracle was performed by turning water into wine. And that whole miracle occurred in water pots of stone so stones represent things that have to do with the establishment of the kingdom and the enemy tries to use he tries to reject God's stone he tries to abuse people with stones he tries to make people worship the demonic whether you want me to call them fallen Elohim or not, the demonic with stone. He wants to show barbaric judgment and uh, violence with stone. He wants to um, keep the people restricted under the law instead of coming into the new and living way by honoring stone. And Jesus said the rocks themselves would even cry out. He said God is able to raise up children and Abraham out of these stones. So the, the essence of this is that if a son asks the father for bread, you're going to have commune with the father in that Iteo. And you're going to be understanding how to welcome the kingdom. You're going to be understanding how to do what God has ordained for this earth. And for throughout eternity, wherever God would lead us through the heavens. And it's not going to be based on the stones of this world. God's not going to give you that. You're not going to be relegated to that kind of abuse or that kind of limitation or that kind of restriction or the ways of the world or the ways of the demonic. You're going to be in commune with the Father as you are asking him in Iteo. And of course, that's going to be in regard to his kingdom. That's going to be in regard to his business. That's going to be in regard to a partnership with him.
So he's not going to abandon you. What about fish and serpents? Well, again, these are three, so this is in the middle group. This is in the Sela portion. <coughs> there are a lot of obvious connections here. I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. If you follow me. You know, Jesus had an affinity with fishermen. And um, he worked some miracles for those fellas. He even sent them down to the seashore and they got a fish and got a gold coin out of its mouth to pay their taxes. Um, fish represented also the strategy for evangelism. Fish represented the, the bathos or the depths of what God wanted to reveal. And this is what God gives you in that Selah. He helps you to be led to disciples that want to be taught and trained. He causes you to be able to bring the living word by which people can be saved and put on the pathway of sonship. He causes you to participate in the miraculous. Remember, Jesus multiplied the fish and the bread. He, he wants you to be able to, <clears throat> to, uh, to, to know that Christianity, being Christ-like, is going to spread. In the ancient church, the sign of the Christians was a fish. And, um, you know, drawn, you've seen those little lapel pins and etchings on paper. But the fish really represents what we are doing for God in that wilderness place. Now, it's opposed by the serpent. Serpents represent the demonic. They're, they're known for their wisdom, their ability to be crafty and to perceive things keen eyesight yeah I think it's interesting that here we have serpents and the next one is scorpions Jesus said in another passage that we would tread upon serpents and scorpions now I don't know what you've experienced but in the natural I haven't done either of those and I don't want to how many of you have? I bet even Teresa out there in <clears throat> newly wet Arizona has, has not made it a practice of stepping on <clears throat> diamondbacks or, or scorpions, which is one of her famous warfare kills. Um, so Jesus isn't just using these terms. I, I, I know that they represent the operations of the demonic kingdom. Jesus did not mince his words. He's the author. He's the very son of God. He is God incarnate. So what he's saying here are not euphemisms. I think that we're told to be as wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves. 
I think that when you're in the valley and you're doing all these things that fish represent, the enemy will try to oppose you deceitfully, craftily, sneaking about, just as the serpent came when Eve was supposed to be engaged in the business of the kingdom. The serpent is crafty. The serpent can take many forms. And um, to me, I'm not establishing a doctrine here, but if Jesus mentions this twice, serpents and scorpions, um, I think they represent things in the spirit realm. And to me, largely, I suggest that serpents represent those in the field, those demonic groups that are in the field that would try to hinder. I think there's a special classification of the demonic to try to hinder what we as sons are supposed to be doing. And I think that scorpions represent a, a more high uh, supervisory role, whether they're exousia-type spirits. I don't know. I'm just stating this. I, I just know that Jesus said it more than once, and I know that here in this sonship passage on prayer, he brings it up again. When he talks about sons itaoing to their father. So the third one, if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Now, eggs. Eggs are representative, uh, not, not just breakfast, but eggs are representative of new life. Even in humans, it's the, it's the egg within the woman. Notice I didn't say birthing person. It's the egg within the woman that the sperm um, navigates into and, you know, you see the, the great links that sea turtles come to go to a certain place and lay their eggs and then hopefully bury them. Birds build nests uh, and take great pains to lay their eggs and watch over them. You don't just there are probably some creature that somebody's going to write me about. But most creatures in the living world take great pains to watch over their eggs, or at least to hide them, um, so that they're not stolen or eaten or destroyed. And so, to me, eggs here in this third facet, which would be <coughs> fulfillment, Speak about when you have heard from the Father and you're engaged with him and you have labored to welcome his kingdom and to build what, what he wants done. And it comes to a point where you've gained victory and then you're set to, if you parats, you parats. If you do what you're supposed to do, then God will provide. Um, this speaks about reproduction. This speaks about looking to the future. And 
probably on a corporate level, scorpions attack that. Now, I was reading about scorpions. I don't like them. They look like detestable creatures to me. I remember one time when Kelly was just a baby, I was, uh, we were, we, she and I were sitting in the sofa in our living room. And I think I was trying to get her to go to sleep. And I could see, we had very dim light on in the room, but I could see a shadow crawling across the floor. And I thought, what is that? And uh, I turned a light on and got Kelly out of the way because she was very, very much interested in all things going on. Not to say that hasn't changed. But it was a scorpion. I had to go and kill that rascal. Oh, you should have picked him up and put him outside. You're such a horrible person. I don't care. If a big thing with a stinger is going to crawl around my baby, I'm not giving them a pass. They could go next door into the house of Susan and her little girls. So he was done for. Scorpions are not my favorite creatures. However, I think that probably this represents some kind of a, a demonic presence that would try to come against at a point of breakthrough or a point of, of building and expanding. And that's my feeling. So why in verse 13 uh, does he say that as opposed to earthly fathers who know how to give good gifts to children... The Heavenly Father gives the Holy Spirit, the saintly wind, to sons. Well, I think you can figure that out for yourself. Because with you, in the midst of all of this process, from the very beginning, all the way through the conclusion, you are operating on behalf, on behalf of the Holy Spirit. What God is wanting to build, what God is wanting to restore, what we as intercessors are asking God to do on behalf of the will of our Heavenly Father. Do you see that? It's the Holy Spirit that is with you. He is our true gift. All these other things, if we are just faithful, um, God is going to, he's going to be faithful to what he's asked. But this business of sonship is partnership. We're following him on behalf of the way Jesus prayed. We've got to be persistent, knowing that in the midnight hour, and that's the thing, we often look at the midnight hour for the guy in bed with his kids, but the midnight hour represents the darkest part of the day arguably, unless you live in Alaska. Maybe it's even true there. I've been there, the, the land of the midnight sun. It's really weird there. <laughs> Some people can't handle it uh, because it's light so late. But in, in most of the civilized world, midnight is the dark, darkest hour. And at that point, you've got to be persistent. It's at the midnight hour that you may want to quit. 
It's at the midnight hour that you may wonder, what in the world? I've got this need. I didn't expect this need here at the midnight hour. What's this guy doing here? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and ask. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be persistent. The Apostle Paul and Silas, they sang in the midnight hour in that subterranean jail. In the midnight hour, you've got you've to hold on. Be persistent. Don't give up. That's the moral of that story. We make it about the guy in bed with his kids. But it's midnight hour. It's the moral, and it's in this same context. I believe that Luke wrote this. He just wrote it out. And it, this was given to him. This was all in context. This wasn't spliced together. So then you have the ask, seek, and knock. And then you have this very clear thing. A son... If a son shall ask anything of you that is a father, there is Iteo, it's sonship, it's our father. Now, again, as I was looking about scorpions, some scorpions, when they're at rest, they fold up and they look almost like an egg. Probably not a white egg or a brown egg, but an egg. They can be deceptive. How is this working here? I think that over the past couple of years, <coughs> we have um, we've encountered some of the most egregious assignments that have ever come against the Saints Network in the spirit realm and some of the horrific things that have been ravaging places that are supposedly called churches. And instead of being ready for the breakthrough, people give themselves over to the craftiness of a governing demonic influence that can, they're, they're almost like land lobsters with a big stinger. They can grab with one appendage and grab with another and then come over the top and strike with a poison. Sometimes it just causes pain. Sometimes it just um, paralyzes. And I'm sure there are some that are just lethal just on the spot. But I think that Jesus didn't mince words. I know he didn't. And this is giving us, let's look at this. It gives us how we commune with our Father from Luke 11, 1. How, what our objective is the Lord's Prayer. It gives us the necessity of knowing that no matter what happens, no matter how dark the day, you've got to be persistent with this. You can't just dabble with it. You can't give it a try and then run off to another seminar to get shinier toys and slicker tactics. You've got to recognize this ask, seek, knock principle of um, of how God God moves in that threefold way for breakthrough, and then you've got to see how the Father deals with us in what He does in in the way we serve Him, where we we need to be in commune with Him, gaining His instructions from Him.
living off them, going and making disciples, finding provision, multiplying things in the midst of need for the kingdom's sake, um, identifying ourselves as Christians in the midst of opposition and not wavering, and all the other things that fish could represent. And then set the stage for great breakthrough and expansion. But know that the enemy is is not going to just watch. These things are enemy tactics. And the Father gives us that commission, that empowering, that identity as a saint, as a saintly wind, to partner with the angelic, to bring about restoration. So, you know, you look back over this again, and you say, okay, you've got the premise here. Um, at the beginning, 11.1, the Lord's Prayer. You then have the need, if that's voice, I'm just doing this off the cuff, so bear with me. Uh, if that's the voices, that's great. Persistence and humbling ourselves, that's contrition. Being caught up into the secret place of thunder. Lightning to come and really strike the ground and begin to work to see the breakthroughs happen, asking, seeking, knocking. And then the objective is to have the earthquake, to have things turn the way they should be in God's economy and to set the stage for new life to begin to happen and for what God wants you to be doing. And again, you can you can look at, you can look at that because there 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 are four issues there, in in those verses, and then you've got the principle of three on a number of occasions, and you have this insight into the demonic realm that would attack. You say, how do stones fit in the demonic realm? Well, they reject the stone. Think about it a little bit. They, they're idols. They're empty pots yearning for something more. They're, they're law, legalism. They're, they're, and so much more. I, I've just talked about serpents and scorpions. So how does a son I tell how does a son pray? Oh, yeah, and you could look back. I'm not going to do this now. We're out of time. But the five, you got five Iteos here. You are a son if you're walking as a saint. You've committed yourself to serve God in a higher level than just being babies. You, you are partnering with God, especially in these days. So how does a son pray? Luke 11, 1 through 13 is a gift to us. I would invite you to remember the goodness of your Father. Jesus came to redeem you to the Heavenly Father. You're to be asking. 
the Heavenly Father. That's a principle of Iteo. Look it up in John's, in the middle of John, when Jesus was preparing his disciples. So, I, I encourage you to look over these verses again and study them and do some cross-referencing. And this slab of meat there is on the plate for you. Um, let it minister to you. And once again, I speak encouragement into all of you who have been under the besiegement. Whatever has come against you, God wants to restore to you many times over. Whatever's come against you might be indicative of things that God is about to break through in. Lay claim to that. Believe. Don't give up. You are vital to the kingdom. You are, you are holding a, a strategic place ordered by God the Father through the power of his cross. Hold on. Don't give up. It may be the midnight hour for you, but your persistence will be rewarded with bread. Thanks for joining today. I pray that this has in some way blessed you. For those of you in Dallas, enjoy the cooler weather. Hopefully some sprinkles are going to be falling today. Go outside, stand in your soggy lawn, lift your hands and give thanks to the Father and lay claim to the reign of the Spirit. Even in Arizona, I don't know how hot it is out there. I could look it up. But enjoy that rain. It's a sign of what God's going to do in the spirit realm, what he's about to do. So we as sons, let's believe and let's, let's hold on. God bless you. Thanks for joining with me today. We'll look forward to being with you again soon. Until then, keep on praying as a son.